Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, where I walk my friend and new bow hunter Josh through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. And we're here today to talk about picking an elk unit. So Josh, you've got your top secret state picked out. Do you have a unit yet? I have my state picked out. It is top secret and I don't have a unit. (laughs) No unit. Uh, So what we're going to go over today, it's really three things. This mirrors the post on the website. If you guys want to go check that out too, but it's to talk about a lot of the data that's out there um, that's available to help you pick a really good elk unit. Then go through kind of a custom Google Sheets model I built because I've been using very different data to go after elk every year. I think it's a lot more um, indicative of what makes you successful versus some of the stuff that people think makes them successful. And then finally, going to walk through like a step-by-step process for picking a unit. So really, the whole takeaway from today's podcast is finding the best elk unit for you um, in the state you're going to hunt. So you ready to do it, Josh? I'm ready. We're going to geek out a little bit with the data. And then, yeah, I was super impressed with the other pieces of data that you found um, that are included uh, all together in one place that you can't find anywhere else. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Success rate is overrated. <laughs> Don't Success rate is overrated? Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll get there. But maybe we uh, first thing we do is we we kind of dive in to what's available and like where you can go get it. Um, do a little overview there and we can talk about that. So uh, we're also going to, here's a side note. I did a post on Idaho and Colorado. So like I've, I've got a file for each of those on the website, if you want to go check it out, but we're going to focus on Colorado today, just because I think the most of the guys are going to go there and we just have to pick one. So why not? Yeah. Uh, so baxterbowman.com there's picking the best elk unit in Colorado and then another blog post picking the best elk unit in Idaho. Yeah. And you'll see all the data in the charts over there. It's real pretty. It's all those reds and yellows and greens color coded. It's kind of crazy. Had a lot of fun with that one. Um, awesome. So what's out there? Uh, you know, I think the, the biggest thing before we dive in and the thing I always hammer in to people about the elk hunting is success is about avoiding people and not about finding the perfect numbers. Right. Uh, Josh, I remember you were saying you, you haven't hunted elk yet this year this year, but you went and scouted last year for the first time. And was there any learnings around that about people and how important that was for hunting? Um, there, there was there, I mean, the, the area I went to the parking lot was completely full <laughs> and I did not see any elk. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that was a reason why, um, one of the hunters who came back, who I ran into at the, on the last day said like the unit next to me, uh, might be a good one to take a look at. And, uh, I didn't see a lot of people over there. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's a correlation. I don't know. Yep. And that's a pretty, I'd say that's a really common thing with guys. Uh, it happened to me first time, but I kind of got lucky too. Is you, whenever you're looking for quote, the best unit or the best location or the best state, you end up going down a path that most people go down, right? And you end up in a place 
uh, where there's a ton of hunters. And at the end of the day, my number one takeaway for over the counter elk hunting is that you have to avoid people because that's what the elk do. <laughs> so if the elk go avoid people, that's where you want to be. So I always say that, hammer that into folks, um, especially when it comes to units, because like there's 280,000 elk in Colorado. Like they're not, they're not all in like two or three units, right? They're everywhere. And any unit, literally any unit, you could drop in and have a good experience and kill an elk. No problem. Uh, and I, I honestly think what's going to make you successful is more about how you hunt and where you hunt within the unit than the units itself. That said, there are some really bad units and ones you do want to avoid in some situations uh, that we'll get into to help you pick ones that are going to have slightly higher odds. Uh, right. And it's all about probabilities, right? Totally. Yeah. And you'll, I mean, it, it's night and day, right? You'll go places, you'll see hunters everywhere. You won't hear a bugle. You will see one small amount of sign. And that'll be it. And then if you end up in the right area, you know, in that unit, and all of a sudden, like uh, I tell people, I see elk two to three times a day right? And they're, they're everywhere. And you're just like, okay, it's more about closing that gap. And you're now fighting, closing that gap versus just finding the elk, which is such a different type of experience. Right. Yeah. So data that's available, stuff that's out there, you know, every year you get your tag, uh, hopefully you report it. So a lot of states make it mandatory and they use that data. They aggregate it up at the end of the year and release it back out to uh, give out a lot of statistics about elk hunting, right? They need to use that data to estimate how many tags they can issue the next year. But for hunters, that's really the best source you've got to judge a unit and how good it is. So all these guys, you know, put out the data. We're focused on Colorado and Idaho. There's a little bit of a difference between the two. Colorado's data is generally about two years old and Idaho's data is about a year old. So no matter what you do, it's always looking rearward and when we talked about this on the side, Josh had a great question of, oh, wait, so you mean it's always out of date? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, you know, it's a good point, but there could have been a fire. There could have been wolves. There could have been regulation changes like we saw with Colorado this year. Uh, but it's kind of the best stuff you've got, right? It's, the, it's still useful to show you the general trends and what's going on. And this data you're referring to is the big game harvest statistics, right? That the, each state publishes. Correct. Yeah. So each one, they've got a slightly different name for it, but yeah, it's the, the big game harvest data and uh, they publish it in a very different format too. Uh, so Colorado has this giant PDF, which is a real pain to use and navigate and actually had to, had to strip all the numbers out of there and put them in a Google Sheets and Excel file, which took forever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Idaho is a little better. They've got it like a kind of like a web spreadsheet version you can sort right there, but both of them will put this stuff out. Um, and I think the most, you know, another really important thing to note on this, because um, Josh, you've got, I think you've got Onyx, I've got Onyx, uh, and I think I've only, the only one that has Go Hunt. But everybody, the, probably the number one question I get is, oh, do I need Go Hunt to figure out what the best unit is? Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to throw shade on them. They're great. I use them. I'm a subscriber. But no, for over-the-counter units, you really don't need to buy a Go Hunt um, or someone like Hunting Fool. And they actually are using the exact same data you can get from that big game harvest statistics. They don't have any sort of special information uh, that you don't have. It's literally the same stuff. It's just a lot easier to use on their, their you know, kind of software tool, right? Yeah, because it's already inputted instead of you having to get 66 pages, I think, of the PDF and pull all those numbers off yourself and then like sort it and like calculate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for guys, you know, I kind of did that for guys in a spreadsheet, which we'll talk about later. So 
they can just go download that instead of paying 150 bucks. Um, that being said, go hunt and that sort of thing is great if you're applying to draw hunts. We'll talk about it later. I'll do a full review. But uh, for now, you don't really need it. You've, you can just get this information right here. Um, so no big deal. So anyway, there's a lot of that info. And you know, when you jump in, there's really a few different things you get from each of these states, right? One is the number of elk that were killed. They sometimes break that out by you know, bulls, cows. I think Idaho does number of six points, which is cool, but you know, that's, it doesn't tell you all that much. They'll tell you, tell you the number of the elk that were killed, the amount of hunters, and usually the amount of days the hunter spent hunting, which is kind of cool. And then the big one, success rate, right? So Josh, you're net, you're totally new. You're looking at this stuff. Like, where does your mind go? What do you focus on if you're getting all those stats? Yeah. The first thing I would look at is success rate, which is if, do they calculate that by like number of tags bought versus filled in that unit? Yeah, exactly. So it's just literally, if there's a hundred hunters, 10 elk were killed, that's a 10% success rate. Right. Uh, and I think that's like spot on. That's what most guys do is they jump right to success rate and they go, oh man, that's the best way to pick a unit. I'm going to go for the highest success rate and filter it down. Great. And that is almost exactly the wrong approach. <laughs> uh, and that's what the vast majority of guys are going to do. So getting back to what we talked about earlier, that's exactly what you don't want to do. Interesting. So, um, besides success rate, because it would seem almost obvious to me when I look at, let's say, a list of units and I just sort it by highest success rate, it would seem like the ones with like the highest success rate would just be the best places to go. But what other factors are people missing uh, when they just look at that one uh, data point and, and uh, like yeah. sort it by that? Yeah, well, I, th I think it's the best thing is like a, an illustration, right? So average success rate across Colorado, Idaho is usually around 9 or 10%. So let's just say 9 or 10%. So you've got two units with 10% success rates. And let's paint a picture of what each one looks like. In one unit, you've got these guys that are all CrossFit athletes. Um, they're Cameron Haynes acolytes. Guys, amazingly inspiring. They're hardcore backpackers. They cover all the ground. They live in this the town next to it, <laughs> like they work their butt off and they have a 10% success rate and it's a wilderness unit, right? It's all backcountry. And then the other unit, 10% success rate also is full of guys that may or may not just drive their trailer out there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. They might only hike about half a mile from the road. And the majority of the time they're just driving an ATV up and down all these forest roads, which crisscross the entire unit and that has a 10% success rate. So if you had to choose, Josh, which of those two do you want? Probably the backcountry one, <laughs> right? And that's what most guys think. They go, oh, well, that's, that's kind of the terrain I want. But in reality, your odds of success are so much lower there because you're competing with guys that are really intense and they're going to be in all the areas you're in versus if you went to the other unit and you go into the backcountry, nobody else is there right? So that's generally the problem with success rate is it doesn't tell you the type of people or the type of terrain that's in that unit. And there's been a lot of studies done that show that success or like the amount of elk killed actually goes up astronomically with the number of roads uh, in the unit. Because let's face it, the vast majority of guys are road hunters. And so the more roads you've got, the more opportunities for them to be around elk and the less places elk can go to get away. So if you're, you know, this, this really comes down to your approach. If you're a backcountry, I'm going to backpack in and try to distance myself from people and you go 
go to a unit that most of the people are on the road, you actually can have a better chance of getting away from the crowd and having higher success. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not just judging, you're not just looking at this one dimensional success rate per unit, but you're actually looking at the success rate per unit based on what kind of hunters and and, and specifically what kind of unit it is. Yeah. Um, how does this translate to like the actual data points that you used? Yeah, that's a good point. And so it's, and I'll, I'll talk about those in a sec. It, and, you know, one of the other things is that these guys, like I, I caution against this too, and I did this the first year, is you always go and you look for a wilderness area, right? There's something about like branding that sticks with humans. <laughs> you think, hey, I'm going to backpack. I want to get into the wilderness, right? And so a lot of the times you look at these units and you go, oh man, I want to go into that area that bans vehicles. It's great. But in reality, some of the best places to hunt elk are places that are just national forest land. They don't have a road within two to five, 10 miles of you know, somewhere. It's just a little tiny blank hole in the map. And that place might actually have a really low success rate, but guess what? Every elk in that darn unit is going to that one area because they're sick of getting driven by with ATVs. Um, yeah. So you, so getting back to your question though, Josh, which is you, what do I think is valuable and like, what are the things that, uh, that are important to look at? And that really boils down to two custom data fields I added into the spreadsheet that I use. That's kind of helped me kill an elk, um, almost every year, which is public land per hunter. Uh, so what that is for every single unit, I went out and figured out exactly how much public land is in it, which was a giant pain in the butt, but let me tell you why it works really well because I literally take the number of hunters that are reported in that unit and divide it by the acres. So you get the amount of land per hunter, right? So now you've got a really, really good idea of how much space each person's got, which I think is a really important, um, important thing for you to understand. Like, is this a good area for the elk to get away from everyone? Right. Which right. So public land per hunter basically tells you how crowded that unit is. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going to tell you literally how crowded it is. Um, you know, what it's not going to tell you is like sometimes that public land, like the, a lot of it's like flat desert BLM, right? So you get some units that look unbelievable, but it's because 90% of it's just desert and then only 10% of it's mountains. So mm-hmm. it kind of skews the numbers a little bit. You know, I think that's the important thing to remember with data is like, it's always subjective. <laughs> There's always something hidden in there. Uh, not that we want to geek out too much. We're hunting. We're not we're not uh, running data analysis over here. But so that's that one. The other one is days for harvest, right? So I think another thing with the, the success rates is it doesn't necessarily tell you, you're in the same theme of who are the people that are hunting. If you have a unit that's next to Denver, for example, you've got guys that can go out every weekend. They can go out after work. They can take their week off. I mean, they're hunting 40 days a month, like, or not 40 days, like 20 days a month, right? That's crazy. So would you rather be in a unit that has guys hunting 20 days a month and 10% success or be in a unit that has guys hunting seven days a month and has 10% success? Right? Definitely the seven days. Definitely the seven days. <laughs> so what I did is took the number of days they report, the number of hunters, divide them out. Uh, it's going to show you you know, how hard it is to kill an elk, basically how many days of effort you need to put in to kill an elk. Yeah, so, so days per harvest is how many days on average it took hunters to harvest an elk exactly gotcha yeah so 
you know, those are the three that combined with success rate are kind of the three metrics I try to point people towards when they're picking an elk unit and kind of using this data, because that's going to give you a really accurate, um, accurate depiction of what's going on in gotcha. that place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like a matrix or a framework to decide. So you're not looking one dimensionally at just success rate per unit, but you actually get to factor in how crowded is that unit with the public land per hunter. And then you also get to factor in how hard is it to kill an elk with the days per harvest. And then when you look at all three, it can better inform your decision for which unit to go to, right? Yeah, exactly. Got it's it. pretty funny as we're doing this. I'm like, oh man, we're like, <laughs> we're deep in the geek cred here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Hopefully we haven't lost a lot of guys, but I think you can let us geek out and do the work. Just download the thing and it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, just just hang in there. And then um, it, when you get to a computer, check out BaxterBowman.com, go to the blog post and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. And you can, you can literally just download this Excel sheet and start sorting it and, and messing around with it. Yeah. And so that's, that's really it. And well, then we'll get off like this part and we'll talk about like the steps to pick a unit. Cause I think that's why most guys are here and that's really what, what you need to do and everybody needs to do every year. Um, but the, you have color coded them, each of those different data pieces. So like green means best, yellow is good and red is bad. So it's really nice. Cause you can look at that and go, okay, for each different unit, like you can sort by each of these different ones and see like the heat map of like what's good and bad. It's like looking at a stoplight, right? Really easy. Right. Um, and so what, so for each different one, I'd say there's, there's different things to look at, right? You're looking for good public acres per hunter, right? You want something in the high end of that. You want, you know, lower days per harvest, right? It's like golf, the lower, the better. And then with success rate, I actually tell guys that still matters, but it matters kind of for the opposite reason that you think it does. I really just look at success rate and go, Hey, if it's materially under the average, something's wrong with that unit, right? So I just look at a unit, make sure it's not 7% or lower, because if it's 7% or lower, you're going to have something wrong, right? Like either that unit burned down, there's just a ton of guys, it's not that productive. Like you can use it, you can use success rate to weed out the bad units, basically. Gotcha. So which one, if you were to put an order of importance, whether it's uh, acres per hunter, days to harvest, and su success rate? Like, what do you think would be most important and which one's least important? I would generally go with the the uh, the combination of the public acres per hunter mm -hmm. and the days per harvest, because those are the two things that you've got a lot of space and there's people get elk pretty quick. Those are really good indicators. Right. Um, and another important thing about this too is like guys are going to get on this spreadsheet and they're going to go, ooh, I want green, green, green. Mm -hmm. Um Green, green, green isn't necessarily a good thing because guess what? <laughs> We're back to our first principle again. Everybody's going to go green, green, green. <laughs> right, right. Best. You know, when I killed both elk the first two years uh, in Colorado, I actually was in a unit that uh, I can look at this spreadsheet and it's green, yellow, yellow. It's just kind of middle of the road. And that's something I want to just make sure I hammer in the guys is that the stats, you don't have to have the best stats to have the best elk unit or the best hunt because the stats are about what everyone else is doing. So if you're in a, if you're in a place and you're doing something different than everyone else, you can actually get away from them and get a great experience. So don't freak out about looking at it and going, Hey, I want everything to be great. You know, I would actually advise against that because it's probably where most people are going to end up, especially if it's a super high success rate. That's where, as we talked about, most guys are just going to look at that and end up there. So 
I tend to look for something with a, you know, 10 to 15% success rate, right? Dead middle, um, you know, decent days per harvest, decent public acres per hunter. But uh, yeah, that's probably enough on geeking out on the numbers in an abstract. So let's maybe we jump into jump into the steps we'd walk through to do this and like how, how to actually pick out a unit. Sounds awesome. good. So yeah, yeah, we covered the data to help pick a unit and then we covered the the Google Sheets to go download and then play around with and then see. And now here are the steps, right? The actual steps and the, the takeaways. We want the podcast to be very actionable. And so uh, here's the part to pay attention to to get your notebook out on. And uh, yeah, let's walk through the, it looks like you got five steps here. Yeah, and it's generally five steps. Uh, this is a nerve wracking process because I think a lot of guys also think, man, this decision here makes my hunt. I'm just going to hammer that into you before you, <laughs> before you start, like you're going to do just fine. You want to avoid bad units. You want to pick a good unit, but like, don't, don't overthink this. You know, you just got to get it done. Uh, but the first you know, step one is picking a state, right? And we've talked about that Colorado versus Idaho, go listen to the last podcast, but you know, there's nothing worse than looking at states and units at the same time. You're going to spend a week spinning around doing that. So nail that down, look at the resources we've got there. Step two you know, is finding the units that are closest to you. This is another one of my little consistent diatribes, which is <laughs> you, you're far better off spending time hunting than you are driving to go get somewhere that's quote unquote better, right? Uh, the only exception to that is if you're coming from an air, a direction or an area, there's a ton of guys. So yeah, if what would be an example of that? Yeah, so maybe I should say what I'm actually talking about before I start giving giving other points. But uh, you know, for most guys, I say look at the map of Colorado, look at the map of the over the counter units. Got it on the blog post. It's in the big game booklet wherever you find it, and just understand. Hey, if I'm in Texas, the units that are closest to me are X, Y, and Z. If I'm in California, it's these units. If I'm coming from northeast, it's those units. You know, you can look at the map and just see how oh, drive time is going to be fastest to get to these five to 10 units, right? So I think that's where you should start your hunt because that extra half day to drive by those and get to some other ones, oh man, that's such a bad use of time because you're going to be so much better off using that half day hunting than you are driving to go get somewhere else. Does that make right. sense? Right. So, so if there's a unit that's like slightly better, but it's five hours away, it's just it's just makes way more sense to just don't give up those five hours driving in your car when you have limited vacation time where you could be actually hunting exactly. in the unit. Yeah. If someone said you get five more hours of boots on the ground, scouting and understanding where you're going or uh, you're going into a spot and then being like, there's nothing here. Let's move to the next one. I would take that a hundred times out of a hundred over five mm -hmm. more hours in the car to magically show up at what I consider the perfect unit. Right. Right. That's like 3% success rate better or something like that. It's just definitely not worth it. Huh? Exactly. Yeah, there's only a limit to how much the data can tell you. So yeah, that's really it. And I think you just look at that data, pick the five or 10, go, okay, this is it. You can also, you know, one of the later steps is to look at terrain. If you're really heart set on a certain type of terrain, you can kind of look at it now if you want, but really all like all these different units are generally the same, especially if you're finding five to 10. So find those five to 10, move on, you know, write them down or something. Um, you know, one one side note on this for guys, especially with Colorado, is that there are units that are quote unquote open for over the counter that are actually just far, flat farmland. And there are all these Eastern units, everything east of, well, what's the name of that? I think it's I-80, 
uh, it's the one that runs between Colorado Springs and Denver, that north to south highway. And 99% of that is private lands. And the 1% of public land isn't going to be where those elk hang out because they're all going to be on agricultural land anyway. And there's really not that many elk. So ignore those. You got to go to the ones that actually are going to be where you need to hunt. Gotcha. So first step, pick a state. Second step within that state, find five to 10 units that are going to be the closest to you. If you're flying into Denver and you need to drive, maybe find the five or 10 that's closest to the airport. Uh, if you're driving from East, uh, Eastern United States or Western United States, basically just find the, the five to 10 uh, and start to narrow it down. Right. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And that's also, that's consistent with my advice on, you know, the States too. Like there's not enough of a difference to go each way. Right. So, okay. So you've done that. Your step three is crunching the numbers. And we've talked a lot about that. It's, it's using those three stats, understanding, you know, that, go for the green, but don't obsess about it. Make sure you pick a good unit. Uh, but you can, I'd say the way to approach this is to eliminate the bad ones first. So just look at those five to 10, go, okay, these guys are not good. That leaves me with anywhere from like two to five, you know, mid pack to upper pack units. Awesome. That's great. And also, you know, it depends on your state again, because if you're in Idaho, you got to pick a grouping of three units in Colorado, you can hunt them all, right? You got an open license, but you often like units are arbitrary, right? Like they, they said, Hey, this is the area we're going to separate because we believe that herd doesn't move. But honestly, good spots might be closer together if they're in different units than driving to another spot in a unit. So really you're just trying to find like the general location you want to hunt and then we'll talk about picking spots later, but I have a really strong viewpoint on making sure you've got, you know, at least five spots that you want. And so you can find spots in different units, right? Yeah. And, also, and five spots, you mean five spots within one unit? Yeah. Or, or even not in the same unit, just five spots you want to go hunt. Like literally gotcha. I'm leaving the car here. I'm going to go pack up into the mountains, that sort of thing. Right. Right. Okay. So we got our five to 10 states and then we're just checking them off. Uh, with the the Google sheet that you have that takes in consideration public lands per acre, days per harvest, success rate. And then out of those five to 10, maybe we narrow it down by scratching off the ones that are really bad. Yeah, exactly. If you see red anywhere or like dark, dark yellow, like it's just not, you know, I, I'd say no, no go. Okay, cool. So that should narrow you down to maybe five, maybe three units. Yeah, left. it should cut you down pretty well, right? Like there's not, uh, there's not, there's a lot of units out there. So there's, there's going to be a few good ones in any group of five to 10 you pick. Um, so then, then I think step four, that's a little bit more nuanced, which is evaluating other sources of pressure. So that data, the hunting data tells you exactly one thing. It's how many archery hunters are in that area. But it turns out there's a lot of other people that might be in there at the same time. And there's a lot of other pressure earlier or later in the year that leads to more or less difficult hunts, right? So there's really three big things that pop to mind. We can dig through each of them, but one is other hunting seasons, you know, before, after, or during. Second is like proximity to other cities and states and areas where there's a lot of people. And that's really cl closely tied to the third, which is how much non-hunting pressure is there. Like the outdoors is in, in fashion, right? Everybody's getting outdoors these days. And if you're in these states, like there's a lot of people now. So if you're in an active state, you might be seeing runners, bikers, all that good stuff. Um, so let's dive into each first and talk about how you want to use those to eliminate 
uh, different areas. So the other hunting seasons one, and we're not going to give away all the keys to the kingdom here, but there's a lot of other important things to think about. Colorado, for example, you can have a muzzleloader season that runs during archery. That's pretty common in all. Some units might have it, some might not. Some might have a lot of permits, some might only have one or two, right? So it just kind of depends. Um, I've never found a huge difference hunting those, but it's something to do your due diligence on. Another thing to think about is uh, you know, mule deer seasons and rifle elk seasons. So mule deer, they might folks might actually be in the same unit at the same time as you, depending on your state. Uh, there also can be cow elk seasons in the same one. You know, over the counter, this is something that's even more important if you got a limited entry tag. But over the counter, you know, you can just assume that everyone's in there for the cow elk thing. But if you're looking at a limited entry one, you want to think about think about that too. But for rifle season, that's kind of an interesting one because you might get a unit that's got a limited entry tag, but is over the cart counter archery. You've also got one that's got over the counter both seasons. You know, just something to think about. It's going to be a lot more or less pressure. Does that make sense? Right. So you got your, maybe you narrowed it, out, narrowed it down to your top three units. And then we're going to check, hey, is there a muzzle loader, loader season going on in that unit the same time I'll be there with a bow? Um, and, and you're just double checking to see uh, how these other seasons are affecting your, your chance of success, right? Yeah, exactly. And, cool. you know, you, most common situation is that you look at this and all three are the same. And what you shouldn't do is go, oh man, I can't hunt here. I'm scrapping all these. I got to find a unit that doesn't have muzzleloader, doesn't have this, doesn't, no, no, that's not it. It's just to check, is there one that's got better situation than the others, right? Like look mm -hmm. at all the different sources of pressure. You're like, again, the number one thing you're worried about is finding somewhere with the least amount of pressure possible. So that's that. And we'll talk, you know, we'll also talk in later podcasts about tactics to get away from pressure and how you can actually use pressure to your benefit. So you want to do everything you can now, but there's only a limit of what you can do. And then it's about hunting smart later on. So then right. you did, after you've done that, another good thing to tech tick off is like the proximity to other cities or States, you know, generally you're going to catch that in that days per hunter thing. But you, if it is right next to a city or right next to um, a major highway or something that brings a lot of people there, the odds of them going very consistently all the time are really high. And also the odds of a lot of non-hunters being there are pretty high. Um, and so if you're checking for non-hunting pressure, a really good way to do that is look at Google Maps. Because Google Maps, we'll talk about this when we're picking units, but it actually doesn't have all the trails. It doesn't have all the roads uh, that are accessible for folks during hunting season. You really don't want to rely on that. But what Google Maps always does have is really popular routes, right? So if because it tracks people's data, like it literally tracks you doing everything you do. So if a thousand people do it, it definitely is going to have that spot. So go look at Google Maps, see if it's got some trailheads marked in there, if it's got trails marked in there, because trust me, if they're on there, they get pressure, right? Um, another good one, alltrails.com. You can also call a sporting goods store in the general area and be like, hey guys, you know, I want to go hiking in this area. Like what are some really good spots? <laughs> that oh, those spots. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. It turns out what if like you showed up and there's like a, a trail marathon going on <laughs> or like maybe the week before there was a trail marathon and you just got like 200 people running on the trails in the mountains you want to hunt. That'd yep. be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, 
this true story. I was my first year hunting. You know, I went up and I pulled up at a trailhead and there were like 30 cars. <laughs> and I was pretty new. Uh, and even then, I still knew this is probably not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> were they 30 cars for other hunters? Like, could you, were they like, could you tell that it was for hunting or just? Yeah, that's always the game, right? Can you tell if they're not? I, I've gotten pretty good at that over the years. And this is also the reason I don't like to put stickers on my car. Because uh-huh. you know, if you look at cars and they've got like born to kill stickers or <laughs> like RMEF stuff, you know, that guy's there and he's hunting, right? Right. Um, but generally, if you're looking at a rig, you know, a, a quote unquote rig, a tiny light duty truck, um, like most of us drive, that uh, that's going to be a hunting unit. You know, some guys hunt out of Subarus and some other things and you know, more power to them, but you're looking for very different types of cars. Right. Um, if you pull up and you see a bunch of minivans and like the whole family lined up on the stickers on the back of the car with like the little dog, then, I mean, it's still to say like that, that unit's probably still pretty busy, but yep. it's not hunters. <laughs> but the good news about those folks is they stick to a trail. Right. That's so right. This, and this is that true story. I pulled up, saw those folks went up uh, and very fortunately, like, quickly figured out, Hey, the problem here is people like I, where's the one area. There's no people. I went up there and there were elk everywhere. I mean, just all over the place and got lucky and got one that first year. Right. Um, and I remember coming back down to the trail and I had pulled off the trail in two or three spots, like you on both trap to go in the first time and to go get the loads the other two times. So I kind of made this little tiny side trail and it was the most hilarious thing. I was coming down the hill and I saw like this family of five walking up the little trail I was on. And they're like, Oh, is this the trail to Lake X? And I was like, no. And they're like, Oh, we just saw a bunch of boot prints going up this little basically game trail. So we thought it was, um, right. Which was your trail, right? It was my trail. So (laughs) like I literally made five days earlier. So it just goes to show like when there's a lot of people, they just, man, they just go everywhere. They just start to follow all the trails. They start to, they literally can create pressure within a week. Right. So when you saw the 30 cars there uh, in the unit you were going to go to, did you end up still going in that unit, but just getting off the trails or did you go to it somewhere else? Yeah, I did. I ended up going in that unit uh, just because I was I guess, so rigid and like, oh, I'd found this great spot on the map. And it turns out everybody and their brother sees that spot on the map and goes, oh, that's just wonderful. And I spent a day or two in there hunting and then really quickly figured out this is not going to work. And then went much higher and further over, which is great. Like I said, into an area where no one goes. And right. we'll, we can recount that whole hunt another time, but uh, that was kind of my first really important lesson in you know pressure and how that that works with people, because uh, we all think the same, right? So it's it sounds competitive and annoying to be like outthink your brother hunter, but that is kind of what it's about. It's like, what are people going to do? What is the first thing you think to do? Okay, now take it one step further. Uh, to get away from that but anyway we're getting a little off track but that's step four right look at other sources of pressure so you know now you've got uh, to do the great josh summary thing now you've got your list of two or three units that you know have good stats you've looked at other sources of pressure they're looking pretty good still then the final step which you can do along the way but i leave it as the final step for a few reasons Uh, but that's to look at the terrain and the access right so Different hunting styles over there, out there. We'll talk about that next week, actually. You know, are you car camping? Are you backpacking? Are you going solo? Are you going with a buddy? There's a lot of really important questions you have to answer. But generally, most people already know what type of terrain they're looking for. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're going to go into the backcountry and you're going to go into uh, somewhere you want to get away from folks, you're looking for blank holes in the map, right? 
And if you're um, someone that's car camping or doing something like that, you're looking for roads and access. So this is a little bit of both of those. It's, it's basically preliminarily scanning for spots that look like the spots you want to hunt to make sure you've picked kind of the right general unit. And there's two tools I really point people to at this point. Uh, first is Google Maps. I'm a huge believer in Google Earth Pro for finding actual spots, but for this, Google Maps is just fine. You hit that 3D button, go take a look at the roads and the stuff that's out there, understand what the mountains look like, that sort of thing. Two is look at the, the hunting atlas or the mapping software each state has. Colorado's got this hunting atlas thing. I forget what Idaho's is, but it's linked in the article. And just look at the motor vehicle use map, see all the roads that go through an area. You can only trust the Colorado Hunting Atlas because it's the guys from DFG or Fish and Game that are sitting there and saying, these are the roads that are legal to use during hunting season. So if you use something else, what will happen is often it'll show a road and you go to that road and hey, boom, there's a gate across it <laughs> and you can't use it during hunting season. So you got to use their mapping software to understand that. So yeah, actually, uh, last year when i went to go scout that unit one thing i didn't pay attention to was the access and i was like oh i'll just drive along this road and, and cross over here and, and get in and i drove along the road in a rental car got to a gate and it was private property there was like a little slice of private property there that you couldn't mm -hmm. cross but it's the same road so i was like freaking out like oh man i planned this whole trip just to come up to a closed gate and then I had to just drive out get signal again figure out another access point so that would have saved me hours and hours i don't even know how many Dude, hours detour that i went through just because i didn't check the access so it was yeah. a really great step five yeah there's a lot of things i'm saying here that don't seem that serious now but it, it comes from that exact blood and suffering that i've gone through <laughs> right. Before, right like you pull up and you're like oh crap this is actually a private road or yeah. like even more annoying it is a public road but they do a great thing which is close it down in elk season because they don't want the elk to get run around by cars so uh, yeah, definitely, definitely run that one. So really what you're doing here is you're looking at what's the type of terrain, what's the kind of areas I want to hunt. Do I see a few spots that look good? And we'll get into how you pick spots later on. But now that you've gone through that, you know, this is the type of terrain you want to hunt. You're, you're kind of done, right? You've picked your one unit or two to three units. I usually end up with like two, maybe three units. I'm more, I'm like, this is the little area. For example, the area that I hunt right now is on the border of three units, <laughs> which is really funny because like if I kill an elk over here, it counts towards those stats. If I kill an elk over here, it kills from, right? But you find the one general terrain and area you like. Uh, and I would say that's what you're really looking for is like a 10 to 15 mile area, you know, maybe a little bigger than that. But in that size of area, you're going to be able to find five to 10 really good spots to go check out. Um, and you can also do stuff that like, oh, screw it. I'm going to go drive two hours, 50 miles away and just reset. But I generally say, just pick, pick that subset of stuff and you're good to go. Yeah. So it's, it's something for me because I want to like instantly run into how to pick spots. Cause like that is the logical thing to do here. But really once you've nailed down that unit and nailed down the state, you've gotten to the most important thing, which is now you can buy a tag, right? Like you're, you're fully in, you're like, this is, this is where I want to go. This is the type of tag I'm going to need. If I'm in Idaho, I know what zone I want to pick. If I'm in Colorado, I'm still buying the over-the-counter tag, but I know generally where I'm going. I can start planning. How do I get there? You know, hey, buddy, you want to join me? We got to fly to here, that sort of thing. So this frees you up to start planning the whole trip.
Right, right. So first step, pick a state. Now we got a unit. You can buy the tag. You know when September comes, you're going to be in that unit. Um, and this is part of the whole Hunt Elk in 2020 series. There's these initial six parts is all about planning your trip. Mm-hmm. And so we covered the, the checklist, the Colorado versus Idaho, and now we're picking the best unit. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't exactly walk through the example here, but at least, uh, Josh, you've got a week now to go back to the drawing board, you know, pick your units, understand where you want to go, go after it. Yeah. So the, what would you recommend? I think, I feel like for people listening, you go to the website, you download this sheet, and then maybe within an hour, you can have, if you just dedicate an hour of like uninterrupted time, you could probably pick up, have, have a pretty good unit picked out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think if you, we've done a lot of the legwork here for you. I mean, I do this every year anyway. I've got a few spots that I hunt all the time now, but I still, you know, it's just a good exercise to go through and see if anything's changed and if something's better, but mm-hmm. I've already done the work, you know, go to the baxterbowman.com site. And um, if you go down, you scroll down, you're going to find the, or go to the, the hunt elk in 2020 spot, click on it. Like Josh said, it'll outline all these. You can find the article and for me to send you the link, you have to give me your email because otherwise if I leave it open, it's spam and fraud kind of problems. Guys getting in there and doing funky stuff. So sign up, it'll get shot over to you in like 30 minutes. You can you can have at it. Um, Sweet. So they just put their email in and then immediately they get the the two Google Sheets of how to pick the best unit in Colorado and also one for Idaho, right? Yeah, they get both. Yeah, because I don't know which one you're doing and figure, hey, I've done it already. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that. I mean, I think next week we're going to be talking a little bit about you know, the key questions like I talked about earlier, solo versus partner hunting, you know, backpacking versus car camping, you know, guided versus DIY, uh, and my kind of recipe for hunting 10 days with only five days of vacation time, which guys are like, that's impossible. I'm like, no, <laughs> there's a way. Trust me. So that's where we're going. Um, what, what are we supposed to always say as podcasters, Josh? Isn't it something like subscribe and like? Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, like, <laughs> review us. Please put five stars if you think it's worthy. Um, and then, yeah, share share stories with us as well. Um, love to see and hear feedback about how this is going. But yeah, this is the Elk Hunt uh, Hunt Elk in 2020 series. The first part's about planning your trip. We've got six podcasts and six blog posts about that. After planning your trip, it's all going to be about gearing up and what what are the best bang for your buck uh, pieces of gear that you're going to need. Um, checklist will be included. Next topic after that, next part, I guess, is training, tuning, and practicing. And then the last part we're going to finish off with just the elk strategy and tactics. So follow along. Um, check out every single thing that comes out. And basically, this is an entire hunt hunt elk in 2020 series which is perfect for me because it's exactly what i need going into my first hunt. first year hunting so this is that's exactly why uh it's great a great and getting stuff. the uh the master class from uh baxter bowman himself there you go yeah well thanks uh, i mean all jokes aside like really appreciate it we're just doing this for fun kind of trying to spool it up so thanks for tuning in we do appreciate your support the likes and the and the subscribes it helps us uh feel like we're doing something not just talking out there to the internet so Tune in next week. Look forward to talking to you guys then. Yep. And for weekly updates, just one email a week. Just go to Baxter Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N.com. Put your email in. You'll get the weekly updates for this whole Elk Hunt in 20, uh, Hunt Elk in 2020 series. Perfect. Sweet. Excited for next week. Yeah, I'm going solo as of now. So got to figure out some logistics and how that affects uh, the hunting.
Yeah. You got a lot of big questions to answer, but they're all fun. Yeah. So hopefully by next podcast, I will have my unit, my secret, top secret unit picked out. There you go. We'll check in next week. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon.